welcome to Small Steps Living, the The podcast. podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Cordoff, bringing you inspiring stories to help you transform your life one small step at a time. Here at Small Steps Living, we're keeping it real. Kick back and And enjoy enjoy the show. show. Welcome to the podcast today, guys. I have a very exciting interview today because seriously, who packs up their whole life jumps in a bus and tours around Australia to teach people about eating healthy food. Um, Not many people. But one of those people is Belinda Smith from The Root Cause. Welcome to the podcast, Belinda. Thank you, Lisa, and hello, everyone. I'm so excited to talk to you. We first, well, we've known each other online, but then we met down on the Gold Coast and I I could suddenly put a face to this person who was doing the most extraordinary thing. And do you know what I actually thought when we first met? I'm like, gosh, she's so normal. (laughs) (laughs) Because you kind of think that people who do these huge, massive things like you've done must be maybe slightly trippy or, you know, really, um, really on the edge in terms of their hippiness or whatever. But you're actually, you are uh, amazingly attractive. Uh, Thank you. And very normal modern mum who is on a mission, basically. So what I'd love to talk about today is just to get a little bit of a background on you and how you came to doing this extraordinary thing and also really find out from you what's going on out there because you do have a particular focus when you go and talk to groups. So I'd love to know what's going on in Australia and just some really small step ways that we can be making a difference, especially in our lunch boxes. So first of all, tell us a bit about who you are and how you and your lovely husband and kids ended up jumping in a bus? Well, I guess to start with my, you know, my mantra I say every single day is my first and primary uh, priority is to be a fantastic mother and wife. And I feel that every day if I've done that, then everything else will just fall into place. So how this whole mission to transform children's health in Australia come about was because after our son was born six years ago, Israel, my husband, was diagnosed with postnatal depression and we had been running a successful photography business for 12 years and he was the photographer. I was the admin, marketing, everything else kind of chick in the office Um, and the wheels fell off because he just couldn't function very well. Um, And we had to really look at our lives and think, what do we need to do to get back? We got ourselves into this position where he, you know, was depressed. What do we need to do to get out? And uh, we, this is probably my hippie side here coming in. I've never been a straight to the GP kind of person. And after he'd been to a psychologist, he come home and he said, they've offered me a script for antidepressants. What do you want me to do? And I said, it's your choice. Um, and he said, I think I'd like you to try to help me. And so I started researching anything and everything about depression and I found a massive link between food and mood. And back then I was just an everyday mum. I had magic packets in my cupboard and, you know, glass jars of sauces and things like that. And it didn't take us very long to realise that our diets were really full of foods that were contributing to his depression. And so we systematically started to make changes. And 
I then realized that our daughter, who was then five, um, we used to say she was beautiful one minute, psychotic the next, happy, then crying. And you're like, what the is going on? And she just mellowed out. And that was simply by getting rid of gluten out of our diets and additives and preservatives. And I guess the turning point for us, particularly my focus on lunchboxes, came about because she was getting teased about the food in her lunchboxes. She was actually getting called poor because she didn't have packet foods in her lunchboxes. What? I know, insane, absolutely insane. And by that stage, um, I'd been studying to be a health coach and so I spoke to her teacher and she said, come on in, I'll give you 90 minutes to talk to the kids. And I was like, oh, okay, how do I get 30 kids to sit still and listen to fruits and vegetables? And so I just created some wacky experiments and I called it the Mad Food Science Program because I thought it, you know, it would kind of hook kids in and got myself a lab coat and goggles because I thought, oh, that's a little bit of fun. And um, yeah, the next day I was getting like, basically it took me forever to get out of the school ground because the parents were saying to me, oh, my son went through my pantry last night and was saying, mum, we've got to find better choices. And another mum said, my daughter won't eat LCM bars anymore and all of this stuff. And the school heard about what happened and they got me back to do another 280 kids. And then it went to another school and it kind of, all of a sudden I said to Israel, I think we're onto something, you know, like the message is getting through. And I was really, really conscious because I was still had to try to keep the photography business afloat because that was where our money was coming from. But I really wanted to dedicate my time to this. And we had contemplated traveling Australia already as one of get us out of Sydney. And we'd been looking at vehicles and a bus had, you know, come up because, you know, we're not great campers. So we didn't want to <laughs> have to be putting things up and down every time we pulled up somewhere. And so I got my mum up uh, and asked her if she could look after the kids. And I said to Israel, I've got this idea. If we get a bus, let's make it a mobile billboard. Let's tell everyone that one in four of our kids are now overweight or obese in Australia and that diabetes is on the increase and all of this stuff. And I guess I actually got him excited enough about that change that I managed to convince him to sell our house <laughs> in Sydney to fund it. And I think because he was seeing firsthand how his depression had improved just by changing food, he had a real belief in the message as well. So um, it took us two and a half years, but we radically changed our life. We sold up, we moved out, we ended up moving in with my mum for seven months and um, that was pretty amazing. <laughs> she was pretty incredible. Uh, yeah, and so two and a half years later, we hit the road and we've now been on the road for 13 months and we've reached 10,000 people directly coming to our workshops, um, 48 schools and preschools across the east coast of Australia and we've served something like 600 litres of green smoothie teaching kids to taste with their tongues and not their eyes. So, I mean, my mantra is that I empower kids to make better food choices because then our jobs become easier as parents. You know, like they stop nagging us for the stuff that we really know we don't want to give them, but because we're tired, we do give in. So it stops them from coming home and, and asking for stuff. So, yeah, it's just that's how we got here. Like even just hearing you saying that about empowering the kids is such a different approach to the way that things are usually done and it kind of gave me tingles because we do respond to our children and once mm -hmm. they feel like they're in charge 
and that they feel empowered to make that choice. Like, would they, they, would, I just have this belief that our bodies want to feel good. Our bodies want to be in balance. And kids, I think, naturally tr- make choices that try to get them there. It's just that the food system is so messed up uh, that it's so hard for them to actually do that. Uh, so anyway, that's an aside. What I would like to know from you is you're, you've now seen that many kids and impacted families. So the impact that you're having is much bigger than just the children that you're seeing. Cause it is like once they start to talk to their mums and then their mums are talking to their friends and then their cousins. And then, you know, it's amazing what you're doing. Tingles all over. What are you finding out, though, about the main challenges around, you know, packing a good lunchbox? Where is the knowledge at in all the places that you go to about what healthy actually really means? That's, yeah, that's a huge one. There's been lots of studies done um, in various different places around lunchboxes. And one of the big things is, is we just don't know what healthy is anymore. Mm. You go down the health aisle in the supermarket and you look at the stuff and unless you've learnt what to look for, you think it's healthy because of what's on the front. Like 55% of our purchasing choices are made by what's on the front of a packet. And, you know, then you've got to add that to the nag factor that we get from our kids as well. Mm. So I always, when I'm talking to kids, I say to them, you know what, our job as parents today is really, really hard. There's 80,000 packets on the supermarket shelf now and they're all specially made in a lab and then a factory that's designed to get you to go, yum, even though, you you know, it's not good for our bodies. And so, yeah, what is healthy is probably the biggest thing. And, you know, like there's on average there is no – single report in Australia that says what's going into children's lunchboxes. That's one of my big projects for the next 12 months is to actually undertake a national study. Yeah. Um, But what we know from the schools that we've been to is that teachers will say between three and four packets in a lunchbox a day. And I know from running classes, yeah, I know, insane. It's because it's so been so brilliantly marketed. If you think of the explosion of packet food from the 70s, you know, there was three to 4,000 packets on the supermarket shelf to today, 80,000. It's happened at the time when a lot of households now have two parents working or single parent households and the marketing's brilliant. You need it. It's convenient. You're yes. time poor, you know. And we are time poor and it's really easy to fall for stuff. And when our kids like it and we don't want them to go hungry, because that's another issue, you know, we, we just give them what we want because we really don't want them to go hungry. It's just, it's been marketing at its absolute brilliance to get people to think that's the way we feed people. I mean, I, I think that there's a difference in when I grew up and mum went back to work when we were in school and my lunchbox was kind of, you know, a packet of chips, a small packet of fun size, you know, packet of chips, a mm. fun size, some sort of chocolate, like a little Milky Way or something in a packet. And then maybe some lamington fingers that was maybe recess bought. And then lunch was a, a, a Vegemite sandwich and a piece of fruit. And I don't think mum was connecting to healthy. Like, I don't think she was like, 
this is a super healthy lunchbox. It was just like, this is food. Mm. And whereas now I feel like it's even trickier in some respects because there is that health food aisle and there is marketing that's like, this is the healthy choice for your family because we all want to make the healthy choice. Mm. So, you know, I, I say to people all the time, it's not your fault that you've been giving your kid that sugar-laden muesli bar because you were told it was healthy. And yeah, like, definitely. So I do think that there's a shift in, like, and I wonder if you agree, in that when that explosion of packet food started to now where it was just about filling tummies or it was just about food, you know, just giving mm. things that was acceptable to now like there is a bit of a shifting consciousness to wanting to do the right thing. Like there's a difference between the junk and the not junk. Yeah, and I think the um, every parent wants to do the right thing for their, you know, their kids. Um, the big challenge has come now that the foods have been so scientifically made that they're designed to elicit addiction. Like that's like they're now using the same kind of technology, like MRI scanning technology of the brain, of studies they've done for drug addiction to elicit the same kind of reaction to food. And so we now know that sugar is highly addictive and it's in 80% of those foods. Whereas, you know, like when you were probably having those in your lunch boxes, they possibly weren't as highly, you know, full of sugar and the additives and preservatives have just exploded. Yeah. And so it really has come at a time when, you know, there's more access to media than ever before. So we're getting told in more ways than ever before that this is how you feed your family, which is part of the reason why I call the the Mad Food Science Program the Mad Food Science Program because after I talk to kids about fruit and veggies, I then put on my lab coat and goggles and we talk to them about this other food, you know, the stuff that we eat all the time. Yeah, and, you know, like you can see their light bulbs come on like, oh, what, it doesn't grow in the garden and on a tree? And I always, after I've gone through them, I say, so I go really, really quiet and I say, so if this food doesn't help your heart or your memory or your bones or your teeth, do you think you should be eating it every day? And the overwhelming response from 100 kids in the room will be, no. You know, you'll get the odd smarty pants because you always do in yeah. school. <laughs> but they all say no. And then we do a little exercise and I get them to work out, you know, how much sugar are in common products. You know, like I sit them down on the floor in a circle and they they read packet labels. I tell them that that's my biggest gift I could give them today is to understand a packet label because I know they're not going to just eat fruit and vegetables. And so I want them to make better choices. If they're going to have a packet food, make a better choice. And I had one girl recently, I was in Proserpine, and she come over to me. This still gives me tingles. And she had this plastic glass, a uh, plastic um, tub of sugar. And she said to me, this is how much sugar I've got in my lunchbox today. And I said, oh, sweetheart, how many teaspoons of sugar is that? She said 12. What? Now, keep in mind, at her age, she probably should only be having about four to five based on World Health Organization recommendation. And I said, oh, well, what do you think you can do differently? And she started pulling out, well, tomorrow I won't have this and I won't have that. So she was repacking her lunchbox for tomorrow based on 
what she had just learnt. And it's just the most rewarding thing because I know that she went home and she told it to her mum because her mum contacted me and they have now systematically started to change the whole family, so another sister and the mum and dad. And, yeah, it's just incredible, you know. That actually makes me feel teary. I know it is. It's pretty amazing. It's my kids laugh because I have this thing called the happy dance. After every session I run, within 24 hours I get either texts or emails and or Facebook messages about you know what has happened when they've got home. And I do this. I love my job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it's it's. I guess it's the one thing. Like I'm 47 now, and I go. It's the first time in all of my life I've ever known I'm doing exactly what I'm designed to be doing. Like it's just such a buzz to give kids this knowledge and power to basically stick it to the food companies because, you know, they're making that choice themselves. I don't want that LCM bar because I know it's got two teaspoons of sugar in it. Yeah. And so what – because even – I love that you said, I know you're going to eat packet food but we could make better choices because I do think that there's this, I mean, I see it in the women that I work with. Sometimes when we start to know more, we can Mm. get frightened or we can get overwhelmed or we can just feel like we don't know what to eat at all and it can lead to extreme Mm. behaviour. And, you know, I'm. how are you conscious of that when you talk to kids well, the first thing is, is I never, even though Australia, we have a, like a real issue with children's weight um, and diabetes, I never, ever talk to children about this. It's always about them having an understanding of how food makes them feel because I want them to understand food can make them happy, sad, tired, grumpy. And so we have those discussions, but I'm also really conscious of getting them to make those calls themselves. Like I say to them, I know you're not going to walk out of here and just have fruits and vegetables because there's 80,000 packets. Yeah, right. Yeah, But I want you to say is, you know, like look at a packet and go, you know what, out of the 80,000 packets that are on the shelf, maybe there's one better for me than this one. And I said, I want you to choose that one better for you. And when I, you know, I run a complimentary parent workshop to go with the Mad Food Science program, and it's the same thing I tell parents, you know, if there's one packet that you have in your lunchbox that you've now learnt about, like, for instance, barbecue shapes, you know, like the additives in and in, in there just affect behaviour, concentration, wow. a whole range of things, you know, I said focus on that one packet yep. and find a better one. Because yep. if you try to go to shop shopping and change all of them, You'll do your head in, you know, you'll be shopping for hours and it will become too much of a hassle and nothing will, you know, nothing will change. So it's just about select one thing, focus on that, make it a way of life. When you've done that, move on to the next one. Oh my gosh. And that's what we do with the kids. It's just, that's just small steps, 100%. It's just like choose somewhere to start, start with one meal. I just, I'm all about that because that's also behavior change that sticks. You know, it means that they're not going to get grumpy and get, feel like they're being denied. And when we start to do stuff like that, then we just rebel against it. So I'd love to know, like that barbecue shapes, 
example. What are some other small steps that you see people taking or you encourage people to take? You even talked about green smoothies. Mm. If people are listening to this and they know that maybe there's a few packets going into their kids' school lunchboxes, where would you recommend that they start? Look, the first thing I guess that we need to get clear about lunchboxes is why they're actually so critical. Firstly, 40% of a child's food intake for the week, Monday to Friday, is from their lunchbox. And that lunchbox is supposed to fuel their brain and nourish their bodies so that they can go on and learn and be the best that they can be because that's where we get supposedly the skills to go on and do things in life. And what we now know, and I've experienced this firsthand, is that those lunch boxes really aren't giving them their ability to concentrate. So usually 40 to 60 minutes after they've eaten, they will either be feeling hungry again or feeling the effects of their food. And so I can run a class of 120 kids in a hall after recess and 20 minutes in, you can see the restlessness in the room. And I will say, is anyone hungry and nearly all the kids will put their hands up. Wow. Yeah. And so the thing we've got to remember about our lunchbox is that it needs to have enough of a combination of foods in there that are long-lasting as well as those fun kind of things because mm. it's the fun kind of things that have now become a way of life. They're the ones that are within 40 to 60 minutes, they're, you know, they're at the hungry zone again. Yeah. So they're not really doing the kids any favour. So we need to, you know, I always say choose, of get your kids to tell you what's a vegetable that they like mm-hmm. and then include that because they like it. You know, don't worry. Like I had this big argument with my daughter, my 10-year-old daughter, about I'm going to put c- cucumber in your lunchbox today. No, Mum, I don't like it. And I go, well, when was the last time you tasted it? It doesn't matter. I don't like it. And all of a sudden I had this thing, why the bleep am I arguing you yeah. about cucumber Absolutely. when you eat capsicum, carrot, cherry tomatoes, Abs- broccoli? Oh, my know? gosh. Wow. I know. Insane. Yeah. So put something in there that is good for them that you know they like. Yeah. You know, so if that's a carrot, stick a carrot in. Get them used to having vegetables because we do know there was a study done recently in Western Australia, probably the most conclusive lunchbox study that's been done you know, for years in Australia. So it was just on Western Australia and it was something like seven out of 10, so 70% of children have no vegetables in their lunch boxes in Western Australia for a whole week. And when you think of, you know, wow. you're supposed to be having five serves of vegetables a day, you can pretty much guarantee that they might not be getting one at breakfast. So that's leaving a lot to be had at dinner time. you know? Yeah. yeah. So... Put in a vegetable that you know they're going to like. Put in at least one piece of fruit they're going to like. And then at least you know you've got longer-lasting carbohydrates in there that still have a bit of a, you know, a sugary hit to them because once you start eliminating packaged food, your kids will start to taste the natural sugars in your fruits and vegetables. Um, add in a protein source. So if you're going to pack a sandwich, um, I do a little experiment where I get kids to crush bread and get them to realise that, Bread doesn't give you a lot of long-lasting energy on its own. So if you just put a spread in between it, like a Vegemite or a jam, you really don't get much value out of it. But if you pump it full of like chicken or cheese, can't squash it down quite as much, Mm. so you get more value out of it. And the protein source will help keep them, you know, fuller for longer and 
you know, if they like avocado, put that on because that's a good fat or or hummus, you know, like so that at least it's got a little bit more sustenance in it. Yeah, so they're probably the key things so that they get more value out of their lunch boxes. And, I mean, colourful and fun because that's what yeah. packets look like, you know. So yeah. if your kids like two, if they like carrots and, say, beans, put both of them in a little bit of both of them in because then it's green and orange. So you've got two colours, Yes, you know. It's just, um, yeah, make it a little bit more colourful as if it was a packaged food. Yeah, and also just know that they're, they're humans too. Like they're, they are little people who need things to be, you know, some people just like the same thing all the time. Yep. And so I know adults like that, like don't change things up. Like I just, I like yep. to have this for breakfast and that's it. And there's, uh, whereas, you know, I'm a person who likes change it. I don't, I don't like it. Things need to change to keep interesting for me. So I, I get bored. And I think there's some kids like that, like just change things up. Like, but then what I love what you said about give them something that they like. Often on weekends or for afternoon tea, I'll try the kids with something a bit different. And mm. if they like it and go for it, then I'll give it to them in their lunchbox. I, I, don't really experiment with lunch boxes. No, that's actually what I always say. Don't use your lunch box as your your testing ground. Do that at home. You know, like if they only if you know they reliably eat carrots, reliably put that in their yes. lunch box and <laughs> my then son experiment. Gets carrots every day. Yeah, so do my kids. And cherry tomatoes and maybe snow peas, and they're the things that I know he'll actually eat at school. And yep. my daughter's cucumber is like yep. the thing that I absolutely know that they'll eat. I love that because it doesn't make it seem too overwhelming. You know, I think we can see, and even when I see some of your lunch boxes, I'm like, oh, man, so good. Even although I know it's basic stuff and a lot of it is leftovers, it can still look daunting to, you know, make these amazing lunch boxes. So I love that you've just broken that down so simply. And it gives a beautiful place to start. So I guess just finally, before we wrap up, I know that you guys are, you've had a few challenges on your little route around Australia. Yes. Uh, hashtag bus love. Um, <laughs> but uh, I would love if there's going to be people here who absolutely adore what you're doing and either want you to come to their school as you go around, or they might want to support you in your mission. So can you tell people a little bit about how they could do either of those things? Yeah, sure. On our website, we've got a tab which has like uh, Australian tour and events under there, and it's got like our rough route. Um, that will basically say the main towns that we're going to. But with that said, we've had a lot of people say, can you come out to us? And we do tend to go to big and small communities. Like if there's enough of a people that are interested in us going to a smaller town, I mean, that's what we're about. You know, yes. we go where people want us because the reality is if people are on that line of I really need this help and this is what's going to get me over the edge, then that's what this is really about because – there's a lot of people out there that just aren't ready for making that leap. Mm. Um, 
But you could go to, on our website, the Work With Me section has a Mad Food Science tab and in there you can fill in an online form and we'll send you an information pack for you to take to your school. And that explains everything about the program, what it does, where it fits in with the curriculum, the cost per head, everything your school will need to know. So you could download that um, and I'll make sure I send, Lisa, I send you a link yes, to that yes, as well. Yes, yes, we'll have all the details. And um, we've actually just recently did a little video to show what our achievements have been over the last 12 months. Um, it's been interesting because until we actually took stock of that, we had been caught up in, I guess, a few worlds of hurt. We have invested our entire life into this and our life savings. And we had a big hiccup before we left. The guy building our bus um, actually was using our money for gambling. So we lost <gasps> like... What? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we lost like 90,000 of our dollars there and we were at that stage. That's why we moved in with my mum actually, because we just couldn't afford to keep renting after we'd sold while the bus was getting finished. Anyway, that's long forgotten because we know we're never going to see that money again. Um, and, but then we had a money set aside for like an emergency fund and then our everyday costs. And uh, then, oh, gosh, I can't even remember a couple of months ago, we had a massive bill because our bus engine kind of one day decided that it wanted to spit everything out at us like it was just mm. spurting water or whatever flew it was everywhere. And we had to actually make a conscious choice. Do we continue to push on or do we pull up stumps? And I can't tell you, that was probably – it was so hard because I, we're both now so damn invested in this. Yeah. Like we've seen how life-changing it can be and not just for the people that we're seeing and the families we're affecting, but also for our own kids. You know, we're teaching them about being resilient, about the need to be adaptable to change, about there's a lot more in the world than just what they're used to, you know, that people live in very different ways. And I think it's probably out of pure stubbornness <laughs> that we just – you know, we just said, you know what, we're just going to keep pushing on and we'll deal with what happens. But we're now actually at the stage where we don't physically have any savings left and we're about to tackle probably some of the biggest stretches of Australia, like the Nullarbor and throughout Western Australia, where there's long distances. And it, we're a little bit nervous about if anything happens, we really will have to stop because we don't have any money left to do any sort of towing or anything like that. So I guess in the video we've created, it's also a little bit of call for help. If anyone really believes and supports in what we're doing, then we've offered uh, for them to contribute towards our project, towards putting a, an emergency fund aside. So that touch wood, if something did happen, we could actually fund keeping going. Um, and also because we've got a, some big projects on the hop, we're um, because we've had such an amazing success with the Mad Food Science Program, we're going to digitise it so that all schools can access it, meaning that all kids across Australia can get access to it. And we also want to fund um, a school that we're working with to totally transition the entire school population to a real food lunchbox in Term 4 of next year. So we've been doing small-scale pilots at the moment with them, but they're ready to actually go for the whole school for the whole of Term 4 next year of having real food lunchboxes and to see what an impact it has. So um, we need to, you know, generate a bit of funds to help, you know, cover the costs of that project as well. So uh, there's the video in that that has the call for help and that's um, just on the rootcause.com.au forward slash support and you can find all the details in the video there. 
My God, that was so long-winded. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot of people out there doing work behind their computer screens and, you know, obviously making the Mad Food Science program digitised so everyone has access to it, not just the areas. But you are actually out there on the ground doing this and that matters. Like It matters so much and I think in our digital world, we can totally lose sight of the fact that in real life is where most of the change happens. So, you know, I'm definitely a huge supporter of your work and think that, you know, bloody the government should be sponsoring you to go around and do this, you know. And I'm in my head, in my little, you know, head that just can't stop thinking of ideas, like, oh, my gosh, there's going to end up being like the Root Cause Expo and kids from all around Australia are going to be putting projects together and they're going to come together in this big expo. And I'm like, the, the potential for this is huge because it encourages creativity amongst kids. It's education about the most foundational knowledge that we actually need in order to be able to live a healthy life. And you're out there doing it. Like the potential for this, like you guys just keep trucking along in that bus of yours because I do see that the more people who are impacted and the bigger groundswell your movement has, the the bigger the potential for this to just really be something that features on our national, if not international, agenda. So, you know, I'm yeah, a big thank fan. You. <laughs> thank you. I do have to say one of the best, best things is just that, you know, the kids taking responsibility for themselves. It's just incredible to watch. You know, you give them that gift and they are really smart. You know, they want to take care of their own bodies. And you know what I think also part of your charm is that you're not coming at it from a person who grew up living, you know, self-sufficiently in the hills, you know, you had to turn your life around. You had Mm. to do it with kids who were a little bit older as well and already knew how good certain things tasted. And Mm. that is, that adds to the, the charm and it adds to the real life kind of advice that you're giving people. So I love it. Thank you for sharing with us today. I appreciate your time so much. I'm sure that there's a lot to do in that bus of yours today. (laughs) Yes, we do have quite a few things. Last thing, everyone, dream big. You know, won't it be awesome when it's cool for our kids to have real food lunchboxes? I mean, that's my dream. I don't want my daughter to ever be teased again from having real food in her lunchboxes. So, and, you know, why shouldn't it be normal? Why shouldn't it be normal to have real food? It just... It just absolutely should. And it's a big change that we've got to make. But everyone who's listening to this right now has has the absolute power over what happens Uh, in their own life. And that's 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 all, all we need to do is just tap into that. I often can feel overwhelmed about big changes you know, that need that you look at the world and you can just go, oh, I just don't even know where to start. Well, you just start with you. And all I can actually be responsible for is what goes on in my house. And, you know, and even then, you know, everyone's got an opinion in here. But, uh, <laughs> but it's, you know, it really is knowing that we're just doing the best that we can. So thank you for sharing some really simple ways for us to improve that. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having us on. No problem. Thanks, Belle. See ya. Bye. For more inspiration, interviews and know-how, head to smallstepsliving.com. Small Steps Living, inspiring your best life, one small step at a time.